Hello, and welcome to You Matter Here, our Minnesota Transitions Charter School podcast, where we elevate the voices of our people, dig deeper into our big ideas, and explore how we show up for ourselves and each other in order to make magic happen. I am your host, Wendy Lorenz Walraven, the Director of Equity and Diversity here at MTCS. My hope is that as we spend time together, we will have an opportunity to explore three key questions. Who am I? Who are we? And who are we to each other? As it is the intersection of these questions that informs the assumptions we make, drives our behavior, and impacts our relationships with ourselves and with others. Welcome back, listeners, to You Matter Here, our Minnesota Transitions Charter School podcast. As with any profession, educators can get stuck addressing challenges and inequities while experiencing a lot of resistance to trying new and innovative approaches to teaching and learning. Today's guest is one that highlights one of the benefits of a charter network, which can be an educator's playground if we let it be. Alyssa Schirkenbach joined our community last year specifically to create a program from scratch with the hope to one day have something truly unique to meet the needs of our young people, a virtual, flexible learning option for K-5 families. Welcome to the studio, Alyssa. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your vision with us today. My hope is to learn more about you, what and who influenced you in the creation of this program, and what our families can expect from us in the coming months. Thank you for having me. So we also have Bill Glenns briefly with us here today, um, who is the director of Minnesota uh, Virtual Schools. And he is going to share just sort of briefly a little bit about um, something we call resistance and the importance of leaders' willingness to be adaptable and flexible to meet the constantly evolving needs of children. Bill, it is my understanding that previously you have been very resistant to opening up virtual schooling options for K-5 students. Would you be willing to share where that was coming from for you and what contributed to the shift in your thinking? Uh, sure, uh, Wendy. And I, I, think it's, I think it is an important question. I think I have, uh, you know, for the last number of years, uh, various um, people within our district have suggested that you know, we've been uh, virtu- at virtually been a six through 12 program for a number of years. And there's always a question about adding a K through five. And yes, definitely. I was the, probably the main reason why it didn't happen. Um, because I just didn't, I didn't think of, or I didn't have a good concept of how to do that well. And I certainly didn't want to do it without having a really good idea of how to do it well and, and really meet the needs of those students that, you know, are, are the youngest learners. And I think, you know, they do have really unique needs. And I felt like online learning didn't seem like a really good match for students that are, you know, in the just starting school K through five. I think for a lot of uh, students, a lot of what they learn is is being in, in school and being with other children and learning um, together. And so, uh, you know, I felt like online learning, some of the things it does best is really individualizing and working um, individually with students. And I felt like uh, social learning was really important for K through five students. And so I felt like um, my resistance was mostly around the idea of how do we make sure that if we if we create online programming for K five students, they'd still have the capacity to learn those social skills and and learn collectively with other children. Um, and so I said, 
no thanks for for quite a number of years. <laughs> Was the the no thanks that turned into a yes and um, partly responsible for like because we were able to find someone who had a vision, right? Like I think sometimes we often resist the things that our minds have limitations for, but being able to, as a leader, recognize like, just because I don't know how this would work or how to do this in the way that supports young learners in the way that I think is really important for that foundational, you know, first years of, of, of education. How, how did you move from no thank you to, to yes and, and, and how was Alyssa a part of that? I mean, I think it, for me, what I, I think the, the change, a lot of it happened during, um, or at least what I saw uh, during uh, COVID and when a lot of schools had to go online, including elementary schools. What I noticed, and this was just from people in my neighborhood and in my personal life, I saw uh, people with really young children doing things called that they were calling a micro school. And they were, they were getting, and they weren't even necessarily calling it, but they would, you know, they would hire a a adult to work with, uh, you know, groups of children, you know, six, five, six families would all kind of pool their resources and hire a, a person to work with their children. And they would all kind of go to one place and they would do their online classes together. And I felt like that um, seemed like a good idea. And, you know, it, it was, but it was mostly uh, around, you know, people with the privilege to be able to pay for that um, mm -hmm. for, and for a lot of a lot of people whose children are in school, that's not an option. They certainly couldn't do that. And, and for a lot of kids and, and parents who had kids in, in those schools that weren't able to do that, I think um, my theory about the difficulty and how that didn't work well for young students was very true. Uh, that it, I think a lot of kids did struggle mm -hmm. uh, during um, online learning for, for COVID. And so, you know, the idea that, you know, this micro school idea could be something that could be replicated at our school didn't really translate to me just directly. Um, and so, yeah, when, when we started thinking about, well, maybe we should think, think about adding a K-5 again, it was brought up again, uh, yet again, saying, why, why don't we do K-5? Um, we brought in some people and we started talking about this idea is, could we, could we incorporate a school that gave um, anyone that enrolled in the school, the option of, of doing that very same thing. And, and the resources wouldn't have to come from the families. They would be able to be something that the school provided. And so, yes, yeah, so Alyssa, we, we, we brought her in and, and we talked about this idea and we started getting, getting some ideas generated around the idea that, that the schools could be, uh, our school could be a solution for families that wanted an online learning, that wanted to have, some uh, ability to be flexible with the location where students did their work and and the sort of community around uh, you know where where their kids were doing their learning but also um, you know not have to you know spend money that they may or may not have to make that happen and so yeah Alyssa was really instrumental in really kind of formi formalizing that and, and making it seem like uh, are coming up with ideas on how we could make that work. And so we spent the last year really developing the specifics and building out the model and, and figuring out how to do that. We obviously want to have quality instruction and we want to have all the learning um, capacity that a kid would get any, at any other school, but really build that into a, an online school for K-5 students. Um, really needed to have that other component, which is that social learning. So I think we've, we've arrived at something that is going to be able to replicate that as, as well as we can and, and, and give that option for families. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, I do think that this program is really, truly um, the sort of culmination of responsiveness, right, of really being able to sort of look at the the changing landscape that families are experiencing, um, the, the opportunities that did come out of, of a pandemic. We did learn some things <laughs> from, the, from that, right, of, of how we might address needs in different ways and being more creative um, and certainly being able to, to again, level the, the field, right, so that it's not that, that um, you have to have access to a certain um, level of money or be in a certain area to be able to provide those those additional supports that really enhance the online learning experience, which is what we're trying to do here. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you popping by the studio. I know that um, you've got a billion things to do today, but I appreciate just uh, hearing from your lens a little bit again as as leaders are trying to um, face what it what it feels like to <laughs> be resistant to the things that we don't know, and especially as leaders in education that we sometimes want to be able to like put the whole plan in front of somebody before we're like here's how, like here's exactly how this is going to work versus moving through like. I don't know how this is going to work, but let's pull some people together and spend a year building. Right. I, mean, I think we, we've gotten to do that, which you don't always get in education is an opportunity to just intentionally craft something that we then get to float and see how it goes. Sure. One more, you know, I think for me, the other, I guess, kind of um, component to this, to the decision-making process, and you talk about resistance and just sort of challenging, you know, the normal or, or the, the established versus versus what could be, is I think there's a there's a really foundational principle in restorative practices. Restorative practices are a big um, talking point and are a big point of emphasis in our in our district and have been for a number of years. And one of the things that we we've been trained on is this idea that as leader. And I really try to embrace this idea is instead of saying no to things, because no is always the easiest answer from a leadership perspective. <laughs> it's easy to say no to things, especially new ideas or things that are going to um, challenge, you know, establishments uh, or things that are established. And so instead of saying no to things, we try to say yes, if. Um, <laughs> so, you know, oftentimes when people come with ideas and saying, hey, I want to do this, um, the easiest answer is no, because I have certain set of um, concerns about it, or there's certain barriers I think won't matter. So from a leadership perspective, if you if you embrace those those challenges and offer those up to that person with the idea and saying, you know, I can say yes to this if these conditions are met and you have to help me meet those conditions. And mm-hmm. so if, it, you know, when, when somebody says, hey, I want to create a K-5 school, my initial reaction is, you know, a, ki- oh, no. a kindergartner <laughs> in a fully online school seems like a bad fit. Mm-hmm. And I have specific reasons why. And I talked about that, a lot of the socialization and, and, you know, group learning and things like that. So if we can answer that question, mm-hmm. if we can meet those criteria and, and, and figure out how to how to provide that and, and not have that be a barrier for that school being a, a successful school, then I can say yes. And so I do think that having that mindset and trying to remember those sort of foundational principles that it's not about me and my concerns. It's more about let's work together to address those concerns. I do have some concerns and, you know, when you're in a leadership perspective, you have to, you know, make good decisions. Um, But if you have that sort of collective decision-making and and problem-solving approach to those things, it does open up the opportunity to, for new ideas Mm -hmm. and, and not sort of, sticking with what you already know how to do. So 
Yep. Which is certainly easier to do. And especially as a busy leader, right, it's a lot easier to lean into the things that lower risk and lower work. <laughs> right. Um, and when you open yourself up to re really what I hear is this genuinely dynamic collaboration, right? Like being able to recognize that you as a leader have this lens of the things, the big picture of what you're thinking about, right? Like those concerns are valid. That's part of your job is to think about those things. And to be open to the extension of what someone else who, who doesn't have to be bound by those things, but can consider them to then take it to, to where their expertise and, and, and their brain is, right? Like that, that's part of what we're trying to do through cultural proficiency is to acknowledge that we all have different minds and different strengths and different passions. And what's possible when we put them together is pretty endless, right? Um, if we say yes, <laughs> and it might be a yes, if, and, <laughs> um, but ultimately that, that we don't limit ourselves because of what we are afraid of or what we can't thoroughly define. Um, and I think that often happens in education, right? Is like, a, if we can't concretize it, then I don't know how we can move forward. Um, and, and trying to find this balance between theory and practice and like, how do we actually take this beautiful big idea into a day-to-day -day structure that's actually going to work for people um, needs more than one mind <laughs> in order for that to work. So um, I'm excited for our listeners and for our families to learn more about this program um, and hopefully uh, for our young people to be able to, to find a spot that, that really works for them so that they can engage in their life and their families um, in ways that are, are flexible around time and what's needed. So thank you. I appreciate You're your welcome. time. It's nice seeing you guys. Yeah, you too. Alyssa. Yes. Thank you again. Um, thank you also for sharing your time with Bill. I know that was a little um, unexpected, but I think uh, having that perspective specifically from, from a leader's standpoint, um, because we'll hear your perspective from a leader's standpoint, who's coming into a system that is, you know, about bringing your newness and what you bring as a leader versus Bill, who's really this established leader in this place, who's also sort of grappling with like, what he's always done or what's available or what's possible. Um, and so, again, I think this project and this program has really been a culmination of, of the work that we've been trying to do with really trying to um, center our relationships, really connect with each other and with our, with our kids and with our families to figure out how do we meet your needs better. Definitely. Yeah. So Alyssa, would you be willing to share a little bit about who you are and uh, kind of what brought you to MTCS um, and then what excites you about this program? All right. So I've been in the field of education about a decade, primarily classroom teacher, actually first year put on a variance and ran two SPED programs. And so that was a unique first year teaching opportunity. And I have a very uh, soft spot for the special ed world because of my experience. Um, with that, I've worked primarily inner city um, here in Minneapolis, teaching third and fourth grade. And from there, I went to the suburbs for a change and quickly found that they needed lots of uh, revamping to some of the programs that existed there. So a couple years ago, I created a district-wide position for uh, tier one interventions um, that led into tier two and three for all MTSS, SEL, uh, and so forth for school-wide uh, interventions and uh, behavior plans and so forth. 
that led me to finishing up my admin license and wanting to continue taking a step in a different direction because I knew I was not a suburban girl in the education world. And when I saw the position for MNVS Elementary to create the program, I thought that would be a great opportunity to take a leap back into the MTCS uh, world where we are uh, inner city again. And um, it's just super exciting because I've been able to work very closely with Bill and pick his brains for his knowledge as to what has been successful for his 612 program and take his uh, expertise and philosophies to then work this past year creating the new K-5 program for this upcoming fall. And so I'm just super excited because I already have families reaching out. And yesterday was a great conversation with a prospective parent with a first grade student. And really what we, myself and the team here have created is something that people are looking for, that flexible individualized option of the learning, but then also having that a unique component of potentially making a micro school with little groups of students um, so that they also have the opportunity to engage in in-person interactions too, to really build those relationships. And so it's neat that we haven't even opened yet and people are already calling my phone and yes. having great conversations. And so that definitely is uh, something that brings a lot of excitement to me. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, again, really important and sort of highlighting that this is um, this program is really, truly responsive to the needs that have come out of the last several years yes. um, in education, as well as like specifically with our families and families that have younger children who send their older children to us and they're, you know, are kind of like, okay, great. But when, when can I send all of my children to you so that I know that we all have opportunities to be um, to be meeting their needs within the, you know, whichever program it is that they have chosen. Um, so we've, we've talked a little bit around, I've heard kind of terms like, um, little micro school. I've heard terms like, like a pod concept things. Would you talk a little bit more, just like kind of dig into like just more specifics of like, how does this program actually work? What is a, what is a pod concept or a mini, mini school and sort of like, how does that really differentiate this program from other online programs for young people? Yeah, so this new K-5 program is completely online. All of their daily virtual instruction is synchronous with a live licensed education teacher um, for their grade level. The unique part is we've been working to create that micro school that Wendy just mentioned that is kind of like a pod concept. And so what that is is uh an option essentially it is not a requirement for our school um it allows small groups of students if a family has another family friend and they have a family friend and three students get together for their learning and one of the parents decides to take on that responsibility to essentially watch over supervise and just support those students throughout the day that essentially right there could become a micro school. They are still engaged in their daily instruction from their teacher. However, then supported by the adult in person, which we will call a learning partner. And the unique thing too with that is 
we're able to pay those people. That was going to be my question. <laughs> are all these learning partners volunteers or are we actually, do we have built into this program the ability to pay learning partners um, to be able to support these pods? Yeah. So that's the other great thing about us is that we have that additional incentive. Um, a lot of other programs do have similar things where they have a, a live adult, but it is volunteer, whereas we are able to pay to really help support those students, which then turns into more opportunity for the parents to make some more money, too, through a stipend like uh, pay scale, essentially. Um, and yeah, so that is something that makes us unique as well. Yeah, and I, I do also, you know, there are there are people who want to bring a group of kids together and to be, you know, to support what that learning looks like, but also does, don't want to necessarily be responsible or don't identify as a teacher, right? Correct. And being able to, to offer up kind of that that support. Um, so this could be a really unique opportunity for people who um, who really love, you know, supporting the learning and, and growth of kids alongside the support of a licensed teacher through the program. Definitely. Um. What do you think that, you know, when Bill kind of talked about just sort of like he likes the idea of this, but in terms of like his brain coming up with the concept, really laying out those details was just sort of like kind of a, a reach for him, right? Like he's sort of like, I know how to do this 612 thing super well um, and stay and, and to sort of be in that in that space. What is it that you specifically bring with you that allows you to sort of think about this program and create something from nothing. This program did not exist until you got here. Yeah, so Bill is experienced in 612, and my experience is K6. So starting off right there, I kind of have a little bit of a leg up. Um, really COVID. I was a classroom teacher during COVID and had to create everything on the fly to work together collaboratively and uh, create some sort of online teaching environment utilizing things that had never been done online before. Um, and so through this process, my brain really goes to the COVID days of distance learning. And something that I took away from that is students at the elementary level, and I think this is where Bill talks about he doesn't know what the younger kiddos need. I found that those kids do need that structure and um, the normalcy of what a typical brick and mortar school day might look like. And so my brain right away wants to hold on to that idea and shift it into how can we create a virtual elementary from that. And so I have structured this virtual school to kind of replicate what a day would look like in a brick and mortar school however online and so the students still get all of their core content but something too that they also get that is special for us and our students is they get specialists they get PE they get um, STEM courses such as keyboarding and coding and uh, art and music and also health um, and so other online programs might only focus on those core content areas. Whereas once again, I've tried to replicate what has worked 
brick and mortar has been successful since the start as far as schooling goes. And so using that and what works, creating that in a virtual setting, that Mm -hmm. is um, a main focus of mine for sure. Nice. So parents who sign their kids up for this, that they, they can still expect kind of like a start time that there are, you know, ways when you say synchronous learning. So it means that they are like logging into, to a teacher who's live and real and in, you know, not in person, but in person on the other side. Yes. They're in person. <laughs> they're in Just person somewhere on the screen. <laughs> yes. Um, Definitely. And also if they're uh, used to responsive classroom schools, having a morning meeting and a closing circle so that we're really also beyond the screen building a community. Once again, trying to create more of a personalized relationship focused environment through a screen, but utilizing things that have had success in schools for however long. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that comes up for me, right? It's like, I don't have children of my own, um, but I have helped raise children all over the country. (laughs) And one of the exciting elements of sending your child off to school for the first time is the relationships that they'll build outside of the family and the the sort of regulation and, and building of those social emotional skills, um, which I, I heard Bill talk about of kind of being some of his main points of resistance for this program. Um, so you talk a little bit about kind of morning circles and, and really wanting to center relationships. Are there any other ways that we specifically are addressing those social emotional needs um, and centering those relationships that they're building um, outside of their home while they are still there at home? Yeah. So working alongside other district uh, staff here at the district level um, who focus on SEL and those skills and relationships, we will be utilizing the second step program. And that is another curriculum to teach different skills such as um, empathy or how to engage in a new conversation with someone that you don't know so that they could potentially turn into a friend. Um, And so hopefully beyond the health class, along with Second Step and other SEL components that are just going to be naturally embedded within each school day for these kiddos, my hope is to also have an in-person component of school events so that they can engage in field trips, um, after school activities for not only the students, but the families as well. Um, and also there's been some conversation of collaborating with the other elementaries within the district. So Mm -hmm. if they're having an event, why not invite our students at MNVS elementary as well? Um, so that they can also too see other students from the district and engage in those activities as well. So beyond what we're going to hopefully be doing throughout the day, having that extra opportunity beyond the school day, whether it's in the evening or if people are available over the weekend, having those extra activities so that they can build relationships and ultimately the parents too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of, again, one of my favorite things about being a part of a charter network is that we are multiple programs. And so while we're building these really highly individualized and unique programs, 
we are a part of a whole and we all have access to each other. Um, and so being able to be a part of sort of in-person, larger community group events, um, I think is a very unique opportunity for a family who's enrolling in our um, virtual K-5 program, right? That you wouldn't necessarily get if you were in a an online program that's kind of a standalone Right, program. exactly. That is a huge benefit mm-hmm. of being a part of this charter network and our district. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you think that we like haven't covered that you're just like, so what are you like most excited about? Or is there anything about this program that you're like, ah, the listeners need to know this or a prospective parent needs to know this? Yeah, great question. We are a free public school. Mm-hmm. Not only do we provide the free education, but we also provide one-on-one technology. That includes a Chromebook. If parents are in need of internet access, we're able to provide hotspots so that their kids also have that avenue as well, so that they're not missing out on any sort of learning opportunity. And hopefully then we're able to continue closing the gaps in that way. Another thing is a lot of virtual options don't include physical workbooks or anything. We're going to be utilizing Strong Mind, and with that, we do get workbooks so that the students can not only follow along and do physical writing and work, but we're also able to send them school materials to do so as well. And so essentially, we're able to meet families and students exactly where they're at, provide them what they need, and the goal is for all students needs to be met and have that quality individualized instruction and ultimately success for all learners. And so we have this unique option of being completely virtual. The option then too of creating a small group in micro school and also having additional resources along the way as well. And so that's definitely something I want to highlight that sets us up, up sets us apart from other schools that are online right now. Um, and it's a great opportunity for kids to have that boundaryless learning, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it really does allow for families to genuinely do what they need in order to meet their own needs. And that when, you know, you are have the capability of, Um, of reaching students all over the state, right? Like that's the point of that is that we, that no matter where you live in Minnesota, that you have access to us and whatever access you're missing, we will make up for you so that you have the full access that you need. Um, And I think that is, again, yet another way in which we work, you know, um, as part of our equity work is sort of, again, asking ourselves continuously, what are the needs how do we address them? How do we work with our communities and our families to genuinely understand what those needs are and how we, we might best meet them? Um, and then to be able to collaborate with our community in order to make it happen, right? I mean, that, that is ultimately um, the hope for all of our programs, but I really do see um, that specifically in, in this program and the creation of it as well as um, how it will actually work out and, and flow with the, the learning partners and really being able to um, provide the resources that, that give everybody the access they need, no matter where they are in Minnesota. Absolutely. That's the goal. That's the goal. Great. Done. (laughs) Um, I love that. Uh, is there anything else again that you think would be important for us to know about you? When I think about you getting your principal's license, right. And, and 
one of the things that I would imagine when you envision being a principal of an elementary school program is the joy of interacting with children and their families. Um, So how are you going to do that as a principal of an online school? From the start, building relationships with the students and their families, helping them feel comfortable throughout the entire process, because not only will I have to be working alongside the students, but it's really teaching the families too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to be a part of all of the events and extracurriculars so that they are able to see me as a real person. Um, But then also be able to meet with them during class time too and maybe join in on some closing circles or morning meetings. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like you are already uh, ready and willing to take any inquiry calls. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so um, maybe I won't say your phone number, but you can find it on our <laughs> website. It's live. It's live. Uh, that is that is truly wonderful. The only mm. thing I want to highlight is that we're not only a virtual school, but really a community to network with. Mm. Not only part of the district, part of the 612, because now we're going to be K-12, um, but also the other families, too. As we continue to grow, as we continue to work together and build these relationships, um, it's essentially building a whole nother community too. And so that's something I want to highlight. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, Well, in closing, I mean, I I think all in all, the workforce is changing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Dramatically. And the opportunities for parents to work remotely has increased. Um, So as adults gain access to flexible work schedules, this program allows young children similar flexibility, which opens endless possibilities for how a family can engage with one another. As with all of our virtual programs, we understand the power and the value of the relationship one has with the person supporting the learning and the growth. It is our mission to create virtual programs that don't sacrifice the human connection and in many ways might actually increase the potential for it. You won't get lost with us, whether in person or online. We notice, you matter, and together we will make a space for all of us. So thank you, Alyssa, for your bravery and your willingness to envision something new. My hope is that we can continue connecting with one another and dreaming big. Thank you for listening, all of you beautiful people out there. You are further proof that connecting in person or through technology is still a connection. I am your host, Wendy Lorenz Walraven, and you matter here. 